I've kind of detached from that idea that I will find home, per se, uh, because it can be anywhere. It's that detaching from the idea that that's home. It's where I live. What I've come to is the understanding that home resides inside. My home is the sensual that I see around me. You know, the sights, the sounds, the, 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 um, the fragrances. And, and this is how I've come to understand my work. It's about relationships. It's not about that project I'm doing or that grant I'm doing or that research I'm conducting. It's about the relationships that we develop. Through the aesthetics of the image, I'm trying to get away from that good-bad dichotomy. I think people, people who know me really well say to me, war follows you. Uh, so this is, this is actually what I think of art. I think art transcends certain kinds of boundaries and allows us to move beyond certain aspects of resistance that we have between us uh, as people. This is Downstream from What? I am Ken Moffat. Today, I'm talking to Samantha Webby. I think, I think the way I would want to describe myself or introduce myself is to say that I'm someone who has loved life, who's brought in multiple threads into my work and into my, into my, into my being, basically. So there's a really important thread of art, and specifically through photography, that has started on very early in my life, um, to the point where... I, you know, right now, as we're as we're recording this, I'm the graduate program director for the documentary media program at Toronto Metropolitan University, and that brings in elements of photography, of film, of new media. Uh, so, but it's something that I've integrated into my own personal work, whether it's from a an art perspective, a fine art perspective, uh, a commercial perspective, or a self development perspective. Um, to introduce myself, also a little bit differently, I know when you go to parties, people say, "So, what do you do?" And you know, okay, I'll just give the pat answer. Uh, I am a prof at TMU in the School of Social Work. I've been there for quite a number of years, and um, I just I love the ability to work with students and uh, to work towards that vision of social justice that the school embodies. I'm going to start uh, by asking you a bit. I'm aware of um, your work that you did in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. um, you worked with the disability community and activism in Lebanon, correct? Yes. And, uh, and particularly from an arts perspective as well, right? Could you describe that work a bit? Sure. And what you were involved in? Sure, sure. Uh, so... I was so originally I am from Lebanon and at one point in time I went back to Lebanon to do my doctoral work and at that point in time I was looking at uh, sexual violence and uh, the impact on women and women's social location and how it interacts with uh, aspects of sexual violence especially in terms of how we understand that line between consent and rape. And so, you know, as I was doing my research and I was meeting women on a daily basis, talking about experiences, I was told, well, you have to talk to women with disabilities. And I said, of course, the scholarship tells us that. But at that point in time, I hadn't made those types of authentic connections in my own work. And so I was introduced through somebody that I interviewed 
to the director of a disability rights organization. And, you know, a year later, after we had been collaborating, collaborating past my PhD, past all that work, we looked at each other and we said, it's like I've known you for all my life. It was just one of those instant connections from the minute we met. And that organization uh, goes by the name of LPHU, um, was actually the first disability rights organization that was created by people with disabilities for people with disabilities. And so it truly grassroots, uh, truly an alternative to institutionalization. And that was that was really key at the time in the 80s, in the early 80s. Uh, it still is very key because institutions are still alive. As part of that relationship developed, and, and this is how I've come to understand my work, it's about relationships. It's not about that project I'm doing or that grant I'm doing or that research I'm conducting. It's about the relationships that we develop. And so for me, developing that relationship with her and eventually with the other volunteers of the organization, uh, with the other people who worked in the organization, we just gradually, it grew into bigger and bigger projects and other projects. The, the last big project was funded by the World Bank, and it was actually looking at introducing a model of inclusion in schools and in the employment sector. Um, and so, you know, part of my responsibility was doing the background research so that we can develop a community, uh, community response. Uh, so we're able to bring that type of thinking, inclusion thinking, uh, throughout the country. And that was, that was really powerful work because I got to meet people on the ground who were doing this work, frontline workers, uh, people with disabilities in communities who were advocating, who were activists who were doing that work. And I think part of where, where art came in, and this was the really interesting, uh, interesting thing, is that working with people who are grassroots activists with disabilities sometimes meant, in a, in a few occasions, meant that they did not have schooling um, because people with disabilities were not necessarily included in schools. And so one way to communicate was through art. So for example, with this organization, I worked on developing their strategic plan and their vision and mission statement for the work that they would be doing. And at one point I realized, you know, here I am, the academic. Sure, I come from a social work background, but still an academic. I can't be using the language that I would I would use because it is not appropriate in this context. So instead, we drew, we actually drew together the strategic plan, we drew together the vision and the mission, and then I translated that into text. But that was one of the, the important ways that we worked together. Um, the other way I would say, and, and this was just so organic, it was just so natural, we'd be in the middle of planning a demonstration or planning, uh, you know, I don't know, flyering or, or the elections campaign. And, you know, tensions would be running high because of the stress of doing this kind of work. Um, because we just heard that some candidate is trying to block people with disabilities from voting or something along those lines, right? Like it's, it's you know, real, real issues on the ground. And all of a sudden, everybody would just you know, take a break, and someone would start singing, and everyone would just join in. And whether you can sing or not was not the issue, 
right? It was it was just the idea that you're engaged in whether it's humming or tapping or whatever it is you're doing, and it just changed the mood entirely. Um, and and it built a certain kind of relationship. Uh, so this is this is actually what I think of art. I think art transcends certain kinds of boundaries and allows us to move beyond certain aspects of resistance that we have between us uh, as people. Um, and so I was able to actually see what that looked like. I remember that first, first workshop that I was facilitating. They don't know me, right? Like only the director of the organization knows me and a few of the volunteers. And when I say volunteers, these are people with disabilities who are activists who are not being remunerated for the work they're doing. Um, and I'm just standing there and I'm going, oh, I could see like, I, you know, I teach, right? So I'm used to reading the room. So I'm reading the room and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's just so many crossed arms and so much resistance right now. I don't know how this is going to go. And when I started asking about the vision, they were coming up with all these concepts and I'm like, okay, how are we going to do this? So I said, okay, let's draw it out put out a, a sheet of paper and I said, let's just draw it out. Who wants to draw it? You know, so, and that, and that just broke down the barriers and we could make fun of each other's drawing. Um, you know, we could, we could build on each other's drawings so it became collaborative. So uh, yeah, so that's a, an example of how that was done. Um, so you came to North America, or you already were in North yeah, America when you yeah, went back to yeah. do the disability rights. Um, and I am aware of your work, and I, I kind of, if I might, love the openness of it and the yearning quality. Mm. And I think it's a direct quote to say that you said you're belonging in a state of yearning. Is that yeah. you, or is that art, or is that... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, um. <laughs> I could couple it with another quote sure, from you. Sure. The other quote is, home is a complex proposition. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Can you yeah. elaborate this type of thinking or these sure. ideas? Sure. At last count, I had lived in 22 different places. Like, and I don't mean I visited. I mean, I lived in 22 different places. And so for me, that concept of home, and, and you see it in my artwork, right? Like it's something, it's a thread that's woven through my artwork. It's been a challenging experience thinking about home. Um, so as, as you're probably aware, with the civil war in Lebanon, uh, you know, a lot of families got displaced, whether it's internally in the country or externally. In our case, in the case of my family, um, like many middle-class families, we ended up outside the country at one point in time and back and forth, right? So, you know, when we get really bad or, um, you know, or at different moments until we ended up immigrating to Canada. So that idea of home has never been fixed. So I can feel quite at home in Toronto and actually driving here, I was thinking, wow, there are some parts that just remind me of this one neighborhood in Beirut, just because of the density. Um, that you don't see in other neighborhoods in Toronto necessarily. And it, it's just, it's, it's almost like my GPS is always looking for home. And I see it in different places. Um, but, but I've kind of detached from that idea that I will find home, per se. Uh, because it can be anywhere. 
And I think if my experience has taught me anything, it's to detach from that fixity of one locale or one location and try to see how home can be where we are. And does that then translate into your art? Um, and how does it, more how does it translate into your art? So my art has been, especially around the idea of home and displacement, has been about understanding that experience, but not understanding it from a head level. Uh, you know, like in my, in, my, in my scholarship, I'll write about things like North-South North power relations and interconnections through things like war or the economy and how that has meant displacement for people. Because that's understanding it on a head level. Uh, that's trying to trace back some of the history, some of the theory. But understanding it on the level of emotion and feeling is where my art has come in. Uh, so it's allowed me to... So, for example, in, in, in one project uh, from a few years ago, I looked at this idea of home in terms of what we retain with us when we leave, when we're displaced, and what we keep behind, uh, what we leave behind. And it's very interesting because we never really fully leave a place. And I think working through art has allowed me to, to feel through what I'm still holding on to, and yet what is still what is outside my grasp. Um, but art can do that because it can allow us to tap into that level of emotion and feeling that I personally don't find in my own writing. I know, you know, other people I read and I go, wow, I really feel, you've made me feel that experience. That's not been the case in my writing. In, in my case, I've been able to express that yearning for home um, and at a feeling level through my art. So can you give an example then of an art form or an art piece that uh, expresses that? There are a few projects that I've done that express that. Uh -huh. uh, the one that I, the one that I, I mean, I love all of them, obviously, or else I wouldn't do them, right? But there's <laughs> one that I really, really love because uh, the learning curve was steep. And so I learned quite a bit. Um, was uh, a project I call Here, There, and Nowhere, uh, Imaginary Geographies of Translocal Spaces. And it was actually my thesis work for the MFA. And in that, I was able to bring six different photographs and blend them into one larger photograph. And so each, each one of those tableaus is composed of three photographs I took of Lebanon, and three photographs I took in Canada, and just bringing them together so that I can I can talk about not only the interconnections between contexts, but how sometimes those contexts blend, so that I don't know anymore where I am. Another project I call at the at the disjunction, and that particular project is about that blending. So it's about the walking around, seeing something kind of like what happened to me today, and going. Whoa, I've seen this before, but not here. In that particular, uh, particular project, I went up close to elements of the architecture around me um, because I identify with the city. I very much identify with the buildings I see around me, with the concrete, with the pavement. I just very much identify with that because that's how I grew up. I grew up in the, uh, Beirut is one of the densest cities. Uh, it's certainly that densest city in Lebanon. So... You know, you, you grow up that way, and for me, there's always been that yearning to find that again, that density again, uh, of people, of sounds, of, um, you know, of, of 
the windows around me and the rooms around me and the places around me. That particular project was going up close and personal with the architecture, like really going up close with my camera. And then kind of seeing what that inspires in me as a response and using text that blends into the images to actually talk about what that inspires. So one of them is actually, I've, I've been here before, but not here. And it's that constant sense sometimes. You in fact call yourself a child of war. Mm. Can you talk about that a yeah. little and then also what that means? Yeah, absolutely. Artistically? So it's, it's actually a reference to my generation. When I was growing up, it's the generation of children of war. That means that all we've known is that experience of war. Like we grew up when the war, when the war was going on. Um, and that was our experience that shaped our experience. There's a generation that came after us where the war had, you know, for all intents and purposes ended. There's, all, you know, always civil strife, but the war per se, um, that's like more the reconstruction generation, right? Where the country was being rebuilt and reconstructed. We, we, my brother and I, uh, my brother was two years younger. We're the children of war. So we grew up in that environment. Um, yeah, I mean, I was only a few years old when the war started, and so I didn't really experience the country the way my parents talk about the country. Oh, we used to go to the mountains and then go to the sea, and then we used to do this and do that and go to this neighborhood and that neighborhood. When I grew up, the city was already divided. Um, you know, you couldn't cross that east-west boundary for fear risk of death kind of thing, right? Uh, checkpoints everywhere. Um, certain, certain parts of the country, I couldn't travel. When I went back many years later, that had completely, completely transformed. And so I was actually visiting places that my parents had talked about that I'd never seen because during the war, that was just not accessible to me. Has this affected your art is that a fair thing or does your art yeah. work uh around or about commentary of war i don't think i've approached it directly mm -hmm. i think it's through that experience of displacement and the looking for home um where you know if you know my backstory you know that's where it's coming from Mm -hmm. uh, you know, certainly people immigrate for many, many different reasons and conflict and war is one of them. So mm -hmm. it became kind of like the, the backdrop of that experience. And so what I deal with in my art now um, is, is kind of like the consequences of that, of that having lived through that. But in that one series that I was talking about, the Here, There and Nowhere, you'll see, like if you, if you look at the images, you'll see, you know, shelled buildings, uh, you know, locations that are bombed out, uh, you, you'll see that it's, it's intentionally there, because that is part of the landscape, uh, or the cityscape, it is part of it. So it's, it's like a not forgetting that this is happening, or this has happened. What do you think of the type of global visual we're dealing with now? Is there a possibility in it? I think there's a proliferation of imagery, the visual. And that has meant, on one hand, that's, that's great that we're all producing images all the time now. It's, it's great. 
it just feels like there's a little bit of a we've gone we've gone to um, a convention. There are conventions in how you take a portrait. There are conventions in how you take family photos or photos at events or photos of of the forest next door or whatever it is. There's conventions of how we do that because it's got to be something that I can post somewhere. Right? Nobody really wants to see the other stuff, or at least, you know, that's, that's what I think. Um, I think, though, there are artists who are offering us different types of visual discourses and artists from the Global South who are doing that type of work. Uh, one of my favorite artists is Sami Baloji, who, um, who's, who's done amazing imagery of, in the Congo of, um, you know, his own, his own hometown and the history of colonialism in his own hometown. And so you see these beautiful, picturesque landscapes, but he's superimposed on them, um, you know, archival images of slave labor, for example, right, or of colonial administrators. And so you're able to see kind of through his lens, um, a different construction of that global kind of thinking about imagery. On one hand, there's a specificity. At the same time, you do these incredible images that are both beautiful but disorienting. And both are happening at once. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. So I almost feel like some of your blended images are a commentary on this kind of Absolutely. faceless globalism. Yet, at the same time, there's a heart, a specificity. Mm-hmm. One of those images in that project I was referring to, that if, if you understood the Arabic and English, you'd be able to read the message that's in there. But basically, I've, I've blended images of... Uh, of a cart, like a, uh, what do you call those, uh, a vendor cart, and a wall, and it's just the colors worked, but the messaging worked, and one says more, and the other in Arabic says buy, and so it's, it, it's just a comment on that, right, like, so buy more, right? Right. It's a, it's a commentary on that global connection that we see that's, you know, filled with a history that has not been that has not been the greatest, right, in terms of exploitation. But at the same time, visually, you know, the blending of the yellows and the blues and the and the textures of the wall and the cut, right? Like there's something I'm trying to make through the aesthetics of the image. I'm trying to get away from that good-bad dichotomy, right? The the environments are blended, especially in the in the experience of someone like me. Uh, who's been in all of these environments, who's lived those environments, emotionally there is that blending. So I want to use my art form to portray that feeling of blendedness. But at the same time, I don't want to do it uncritically. I want to do it Mm. with that critical perspective of, well, that blending comes with a cost. That blending of the world comes with a cost, has come with a cost historically, not just today. Right? But we're still seeing those impacts now, except for, for, for me on that personal level, it just means that I can see that beauty in that being in that liminal space. You say you live in the liminal space, but you're also open to critiquing these 
spaces, these liminal spaces. So maybe we should, what is the liminal space? It means a place without fixed boundaries. So boundaries between the spaces, you know, like borders, right? So borders are artificial, okay? Borders between countries are artificial and, or, or, you know, constructed by us. But really, when you look at the ground between one place and the other, it looks very similar. It's like that experience I had crossing over to Belfast, to Northern Ireland, and going, oh, nothing different except the signs. <laughs> you know, the signs told me that I crossed over. Mm. And that's been my experience with a lot of borders. Mm-hmm. The signs told me that I crossed over. There are checkpoints sometimes. So sometimes I'm not in a location of privilege where I can cross over as easily as I did in, in um, you know, in, in Belfast, right? Like there are times when I cannot cross because my identity does not allow me to cross. And it's not my identity. It's how my identity is situated within the politics of that particular moment in time in that location. So for me, that liminal space is a space where those borders have been removed or at least i'm aware of the borders but i transgress them so like i do with with art and social work what i've come to is the understanding that home resides inside it does not reside outside and so that's what allows me to detach you know i'm I'm human, right? So, you know, last I checked. So that means that, yes, I, I, I want certain things to be certain. You know, I want to know that I'm going back to my house, right? Like, I want to know I have a place to go to. But it's that detaching, detaching from the idea that that's home. It's where I live. It's not home. It, it's, the two are not the same. So if I were to, if I were to attach where I live to an idea of home, then every time I moved in those 22 times, I I would be pretty, you know, pretty miserable, right? Because I'm constantly losing home, constantly losing home. So this instead is more like my home is that the sensual that I see around me. Um, you know, the sights, the sounds, the, 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 um, the fragrances, uh, you know, I can smell a jasmine or a gardenia and it takes me back. And, and I know we all do that. For me, it takes me back to one home, right? Or a feeling of home. And it, that, that's how I, that's how my art connects to that particular question, I think. It's also occurring to me when you describe being a child of war, and the type of checkpoints, and there are certain parts of the city you can go to, or even parts of the country. And now you um, are very conscious of boundary, and you will transgress boundary if need be, right? Are those two things connected? I think I just made the connection through your question. Yes, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I never saw that honestly until this until this interview. I never made that connection. Oh, that's uh, so interesting. I never made that connection, but just the speaking it out and feeling out that boundary, um, and then you know the discussion about war and remembering that experience. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what 
allows me to say, you know, I don't want to live with these borders, right? I mean, boundaries are good, right? Like I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, I have no boundaries. That's not what I'm saying, okay? Yeah. Listening public, that is not what I'm saying. Um, what I'm saying though is that there are certain borders that are imposed on us that I choose not to live by or live with or I choose to transgress. And, the, you know, they can be different borders for different people. But for me, those are the ones that have to do be <clears throat> between my, you know, what is my profession and then what is art and then what is social work and what is art. And those are some of the, some of the, the borders between disciplines that I think were important to break. There was a concept you used, and it was interesting. You talked, maybe we're talking spiritual now, and you talked about emotional blendedness. And I just love that mm -hmm. idea. I've never heard that before. Can you elaborate that? Yeah, I think it comes from. Um, so I feel very connected to what's around me, whether it's a tree or a building. I feel very connected. I don't make judgments about it being concrete. Right? It's, it's part of my physical existence. And it evokes certain emotions, except those emotions are not always the clear cut that belong in one place. And so that's where that blending comes in. I, the, you know, it's, it's what allows me to feel like, you know, driving here, it's what allows me to feel like, oh, I've been here before it's that emotional connection it's not a it's not a physical connection the environment might not look the same but it's that emotional connection that allows me to to blend the two experiences together to come up with something different and unique to that moment you talk about auto representation mm -hmm. and i believe you did a project on that is auto representation yeah can you it's talk not a selfies no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my first actual photo class that I took, I was 18. And the one of the projects was self-portraiture. And I took this roll of film and then developed the roll of film and I almost burned the whole film because it was my first film, right? That That I'm, you know, I'm actually developing but I still have the contact sheet mm -hmm. and there are a couple of a couple of uh, uh, negatives that survived and so I was able to complete the assignment no problem but since that time I've been fascinated by this idea of change but not change in appearance change in our state of being and so um, about a year ago I think I basically went back and looked at all the pictures that I took of myself. Because so what's happened is, since the age of 18, every few years, depending on the moment, so it's not a, you know, on oh, my birthday, I will take a picture. Depending on like if a, something significant is happening for me at that moment in time, I will take a photograph. And I'll just file it, just file it. I did nothing with them. I just took the photographs because they were an expression of kind of my state of mind at that point in time or my emotional being at that point in time. Um, and so about a year or so ago, I decided that I would just look at all of them. I was going through a moment of, of real reflection and change in my life. And I'm like, oh, they all fit together. 
They're just different pieces of me. And so I call the piece integrated. And it's actually all of those photographs integrated into one. And at first, you know, when I say to people, oh, I took all these self-portraits of myself, you know, self-portraits of myself, all these self-portraits, and I put them all together. You know, it sounds like I just like seeing myself. But if you actually look at it, they're not flattering pictures. They're not pictures, you know, with the proper filters and the proper lights and, and perfect, you know, diffused lighting all over my face. It's not that. You know, one of them is, um, w w at one point in my life, I was in um, Burundi for a project. And I think people, people who know me really well say to me, war follows you. And I was there for literally two days and the war broke out. And at one point in time, I was so scared because I was hiding. The way, the, way, the way we did when we were growing up, I was kind of hiding in a corner, thinking the walls around will protect me kind of thing, right? Um, because I could hear the fighting outside. I could hear the, the shooting, the bullets, the whatever. And as a photographer, what am I going to do? So I took a picture of myself. But I took a picture of myself, and it's if you see, if you look at that, uh, that collage, it's a collage, if you look at that collage, it's the one where it's very dark, you can barely see my face. It's because I shot it with natural lighting. There was no light. I was trying to make sure there were no lights in the house, just so that I can, you know, not, you know, you minimize visibility as much as possible. And um, there are a lot of images like that where it's like they're not flattering images. They're images where really at that moment in time, something was going on. And so what I did is I brought them all together because it felt like about a year or so ago, I reached a moment in my life where I was able to bring and embrace all those different pieces of me. And that's why I called it integrated. Um, but what I also did is I overlaid, again, the city on top of that because I took photographs of um, different maps of places I lived and just overlaid that very, very loosely on the image. And so you'll, you'll actually see the names of streets and, you know, map markings on my face, on, you know, whatever, my arms, whatever's in that picture. Um, I also tore up the pictures. I tore them, physically tore them and and stuck them on actually a piece of paper because I needed that, that idea that, um, you know, this is no longer here, right? But it's still here. It's that here and not here again, right? That liminal space again. You keep changing. I mean, yes. that's my impression yes. of you. So and you true. keep changing your form of art. And you are now uh, doing, um, you are doing jazz vocals. Is that correct? Yes, I am. But it's interesting to me, I see it as coming back full circle. Oh, okay. the art form I started with was music and singing when I was very, very young. Okay. And it just, you know, it's ebbed and flowed, ebbed and flowed throughout my life. And now finally coming back to 
being a bit more central and saying, no, I really want to do this. You know what? Let me sing something, but it's okay. not jazzy. Okay. It's, uh, it's actually a very traditional old, old song from the 1400s. Okay. Or at least some people say the origin is the 1400s. And um, I'm just going to like sing a few bars okay. from it. Excellent. Uh, it's something that I'm learning. They say that the origin is kind of Moorish Spain. Okay. Uh, but it's a song that's been done again and again and again uh, throughout all these generations of people uh, it's a muashah lamma badayatasanna lamma badayatasanna habbi jamalu fatanna Amrun ma bilahadha sarna Ghisnun tinahina mal I'll stop there. A few bars. Thanks Thank you. Downstream from what is a co-creation of myself, Ken Moffat, and Ben McCarthy. Art is by Autumn Fazari. Original score by Ben McCarthy. Downstream from what is created under the auspices of the Jack Layton Chair and is funded by the Dean Faculty of Arts, the Dean Faculty of Community Services at Toronto Metropolitan University.